Welcome to the America's 360 podcast. Get the inside scoop and the outside perspective on the latest developments from Canada, Latin America, and everywhere in between. America's 360 is a production of the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Hello and welcome back to another episode of America's 360. I'm John Molusky. This program is brought to you by the world's number one think tank for regional studies, the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. And America's 360 is a collaboration among the Center's Argentina Project, Brazil Institute, Canada Institute, Latin American Program, and Mexico Institute. Well, June is Pride Month in the United States. The purpose of the commemorative month is to recognize the impact that lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals have made on history locally, nationally, and internationally. It's a time to recognize and celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. But let's face it, for many LGBTQ plus people in the Americas, parades and celebrations have been the exception and not the rule. In too many cases, they've faced oppressive legislation and public and private discrimination. However, in the last 10 years, Latin American nations have begun passing landmark legislation granting LGBTQ plus people previously denied rights, recognition, and protections. As we look across the hemisphere, we ask what strides have been made, how is the fight for equity and visibility continuing, and what work remains? In recognition of Pride Month, our panel will address those issues and more. So let's welcome them to the discussion. Please say hello to Brazil Institute fellow Daniela Campelo. Hey, John. Hi, Danny. Uh, Latin American Program Acting Director Benjamin Gadan. Greetings, John. Hi, Benjamin. Uh, Mexico Institute Director Andrew Rudman. Hey, John. Hi, Andrew. And finally, Canada Institute Director Christopher Sands. Hello, Chris. Hello, bonjour, John. I love when you speak French, you know that. <laughs> or French-Canadian, whatever the case may be. Anyway, <laughs> well, welcome, everyone. Uh, I want to start out, we'll start broad, as we often do, and then we can drill down as, as things go uh, forward. The Global Acceptance Index uses polls to gauge attitudes and acceptance of uh, LGBT people around the world. And uh, a most recent report showed that over the last 10 years, attitudes toward LGBTQ plus people in most nations in Latin America has greatly improved. So I want to ask each of you, and we'll go around the horn in order of introduction, uh, what do you think has led to these improvements? What is happening? Are these where political movements meet social movements? Uh, what insights can you provide? Danny, let's begin with you, please. Actually, John, uh, Brazil is full of contradictions. We have reasons to celebrate. Brazil, uh, the recent poll said that 80, 80% of Brazilians are accepting of uh, LGBT population, which is a big improvement since the last one we had, which was 64%. But still, Brazil is very violent against uh, the LGBT population. So we are the country that most kills uh, transgender people. Uh, we have uh, a number of incidents, at the 22 incidents a day or one every hour against LGBT population. I think that part of the, the response, the positive response of the last years has been a pushback with respect to the government, because after uh, with the recent administration, there has been a lot of backing down in uh, uh, LGBT policies. And the good news is that now we have many candidates running for elections who are LGBT, elected LGBT uh, candidates in the last 2020 uh, election. So this is the good news. And I think it has a lot to do mm -hmm. with activists pushing back uh, against the government. Thanks. Uh, Benjamin, what are you saying? 
I believe we haven't just seen an improvement in public opinion, but actually in public policy. And it's been pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. I think it was 2010 when Argentina became the first country in the region to legalize same-sex marriage. And now at least seven countries in the region permit same-sex marriages nationwide. There's been improvements in protections against discrimination and law and in constitution. So um, I think, you know, like we've heard about Brazil, this doesn't move in only one direction, but broadly in public policy, I think we've seen you know significant improvement. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, John. You know, I, I, I think in some ways this is maybe an example, as, as we see in lots of countries, where the, the politicians are catching up to public opinion, where the politicians tend to be maybe a little more conservative and slower to move. And, and so you see these, these groundswells of support. Um, and I think another factor is the sort of intrinsic link between LGBTQ plus um, and, and women's rights. Uh, issues, given that often feminist movements see attacks on on uh, homosexuality or, or transsexuals as as a form of gender based violence. So I think there's also sort of a confluence. And we've talked about femicide on this podcast a number of times. Chris, uh, you know, Canada, again, uh, a leader, uh, same sex marriage approved way back in 2005. And I say way back because it's almost a decade before the United States. I think what you see in Canada is sort of the maturation of this debate. Back in 1982, when the Canadians added a Charter of Rights and Liberties to their constitution, uh, as they repatriated it from uh, Great Britain, they included a sort of baseline right against discrimination. So essentially a negative right. Governments should not discriminate on the basis of gender. But what we've seen since is much more proactive policies trying to create more public and acknowledged space for this community. And just to mention a a couple of, I think, really important milestones in the last couple of years, Canada had a census last year, 2021, in which for the first time they counted uh, numbers of transgender and non-binary people as well as people of the other orientations. And this is a real, uh, was a real eye-opener because it began to give us real data about people and how they identified. And we just haven't had that on the scale uh, in Canada before. Also, uh, interestingly, Canada has added, in a very public way, another identity, one that you don't see recognized in very many places, but which has real potential here in the Americas, and that's the two-spirit identity, which draws from Indigenous and First Nations communities. It's a kind of third gender, if you will, that traditionally uh, maybe biological men who took on women's roles or roles associated with women in the community and vice versa had this sort of middling identity. And it's become in modern indigenous communities, an expression of a a more ambiguous approach, maybe not fully transgender, but a more ambiguous approach. And it gives you a sense that when it is a lot of letters, we all complain about how many letters get added to that string, but uh, Two-Spirit is one of the ones that's becoming uh, part of the vernacular and part of the conversation, not only in mainstream Canada, but in indigenous communities as well. Thanks. Uh, uh, to Andrew's point about uh, the fact that politicians are attempting to catch up to public opinion in many cases, you know, this is not unusual, right, where uh, biology and reality outpace public policy and, and laws and then Danny mentioned that uh, elections and new candidates, what are we seeing across the region in terms of newly elected leaders, uh, leaders who are running for elections that are upcoming? Is there a wave in that regard for uh, either more progressive or more regressive policies? 
Oh, if I may start, I think that the, in the case of Brazil, it, it's it's not exactly the same picture. Uh, there were lots of advances in the in the 2000s. So Brazil has uh, same-sex marriage. Trans Brazilians can change legal name and gender. Uh, and official records, homophobia uh, has become a crime in 2019. And then there was a major reversal uh, under the current government. So it's important to say the, the first thing is there was a lot of uh, hate speech that came from the government. So Bolsonaro uh, has declared that he would rather have a dead son than a gay son. So this is something that has an impact, of course, in the lives of LGBT people. But also something that happened in other uh, areas of the government, which is not that the rights were reversed, that has been trying to change the law, but what happens is that it's a uh, diminishing of the role of LGBT policies and institutions devoted to those policies. So cutting budgets, changing the leadership, for example, now the Minister uh, of, uh, of Human Rights, not human rights anymore, is like women, family and human rights, and she's an ultra-conservative uh, evangelical uh, leader. So in that sense, I think that the government went is was going backwards in the last uh, four years, and not specifically in laws, but in, in how the government deals with the LGBT population. And again, I think the good news is that it's it's amazing how that changed the, not only the support of the people, but the amount of candidates that were that ran and that were elected uh, in Brazil. So I think that we are maybe ready for a new push forward uh, in those policies. Hopefully, about ideological trends, Benjamin. What what do they tell us about uh, where things are headed in terms of LGBTQ plus rights? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a real muddle. I mean, you would think that things are moving again in one direction, a direction toward greater recognition of the rights of this community. And it hasn't always been that way, in part because of the influence of, of religious conservatives, both those affiliated with the Catholic hierarchy, but also evangelicals who are great influence. Obviously, in Brazil, they're a major constituency for the president, and that may be reflective of his views. You see in El Salvador, the president himself, based on whatever reason in his background, has been quite hostile to this community. So it is a real mix. You know, on the other hand, it was a conservative president of Chile who was in office under the last government who promoted same-sex marriage. So again, it doesn't line up cleanly under ideological lines in the region. Tell us about Argentina, a country you're obviously very familiar with. Uh, was it the first Latin American country to legalize same-sex marriage? It certainly was, and it has been really progressive on a variety of issues related to LGBTQ plus rights. Um, the current government has been particularly um, aggressive on this issue as part of the platform for President Alberto Fernandez, and he's been really progressive in trying to make sure that um, he meets his campaign promises. Some of those have related to some of the traditional issues that we've mentioned, but other of these relate, for example, to allowing transgender individuals to legally change their name and gender without any government conditions. That happened way back in 2012, but now there have been even quotas in public uh, institutions to make sure that transgender individuals are preferentially receiving jobs. So a lot of creativity in Argentina and trying to be a trailblazer on these topics. Andrew, the, the point you made that we've been jumping off on, on uh, the public opinion versus politicians in office, uh, what is that doing to electoral politics in Mexico? Are we seeing uh, pressure on candidates that address public opinion versus what's already in place? That's a good question, John. And, and like most things, the answer is a little complicated. I mean, starting with President Lopez Obrador, who, um, and, and sort of picking up on Ben's point about ideology, um, people always think of Lopez Obrador as, as a leftist. Um, but in fact, on, on social matters, he, he's quite conservative, as is a lot of his base, uh, because the Morena Party is, you know, sort of a coalition of 
uh, rural vo- rural voters who tend to be conservative socially and urban voters who who are less so. And I think going forward in in Morena par- in the Morena party in particular, um, these issues may play out or you know several different uh, candidates who are unofficially running to succeed AMLO, one of them, Mayor Claudia Scheinbaum from Mexico City has been a, a very strong proponent of LGBTQ plus issues uh, as mayor. Mexico City is one of the more progressive jurisdictions in, in Mexico, uh, which is a, a federal system. So different states have, have different rules, uh, different laws. So I, I think to answer your question, uh, try to get, get back to that, I think it will play out. It's probably not going to be the number one issue for Mexican voters, but I think increasingly um, you're going to see candidates having to explain their views on these issues and be be uh, ostracized if they take those more traditional conservative views. Andrew, could you also say a, a bit more about that uh, federal local conundrum in Mexico where you see a lot of potential contradiction? Right. You, you've, you've also got in, in Mexico a very progressive uh, Supreme Court, which on, on these issues and, and many others really tends to take a the individual can do what they want and laws should not interfere. Uh, but the Supreme Court obviously can't mandate law and so it can only interpret. And so what you get are situations where the court will say something has to be accepted. Uh, for example, uh, gay marriage is legal, it has been legal in Mexico City and the Supreme Court said those marriages have to be accepted in other states, but that's not the same as saying every state has to allow it. Uh, so, you know, sort of a, a, in, in a sense, very technical, but it, but I think significant because the states in Mexico can make individual decisions. And, and that's where you're going to see that playing out, the conservative versus versus more progressive views. You know, certainly no uh, shortage of uh, criticism of the U.S. Wait, you know, before I ask this question, Chris, I know you want to say something. I was just going to pick up on the point on federalism. Canada is, uh, is a bit of a different dynamic. We've seen most of the provinces taking the lead. And in Canada, the provinces run human rights commissions that investigate abuses of rights. Whether And they started out as workplace-oriented discrimination or in hiring, that sort of thing. They'd now expanded across a range of societies. And it was the provinces, because of that jurisdiction, that got to... Uh, addressing some of the concerns around these communities in, of gender orientation and identity. And the federal government was actually the, the last one to come along. And it's an interesting inversion of what you see in Mexico, where, where, where maybe the, the energy was coming from the top down. From Canada, it came from the bottom up. And I think that that has helped to make the federal government just a little bit bolder because they know that they're running to the head of the parade rather than uh, trying to drag the country along. Leading from behind. We've heard that one before, right? Uh, Benjamin, you wanted to say something. No, I think just another example of how this issue um, sometimes muddles partisan and ideological affiliations. But sometimes it just trans, uh, it, it just cuts across, right? I mean, so if you look at the Colombian presidential race, you see candidates on pretty far extremes. One of them, Gustavo Petro, a former leftist guerrilla fighter. The other candidate is Rodolfo Hernandez. He is a former real estate mogul so from the business community. And this is just not an issue. Same-sex adoption permitted, same-sex marriage permitted, both of them supporting it in their platforms. Um, and so I do think, again, it has transcended politics in some places, which is really where you want issues of civil rights to be. 
we're, we're uh, believe it or not, we're running close to the end of our time, uh, and I want to I wanted to ask Chris a question, which maybe everyone could then answer. Uh, as we begin to wrap things up. And, and Chris, what I was going to ask you earlier is, you know, because Canada has been a bit of a trailblazer here or a leader, you know, it gives them a certain moral authority, right, to take a leadership role in in preaching to the rest of the, the hemisphere. When the U.S. has tried to do that, it's often been criticized for its own inconsistencies across the country in this regard. So my, my question is, we'll start with Chris, but who is in a position to take leadership? And then who are the voices uh, that are pro or con that are uh, really leading the discussion in the Americas. Chris, let's start with you. Well, I, I would say that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has made this something of uh, very important in his public pronouncements. He's he's uh, sometimes accused of being woke by people in the media, but he he tries to be very proactive. But at the same time, it wouldn't be fair to say that he was the only voice out there, and even Canadian Conservatives are are very much more progressive on this issue than many American conservatives, although not all. And so it's kind of an interesting muddle. I think what makes um, Canada's experience and Canada's leadership um, so potentially valuable is that Canada demonstrates that it doesn't, that recognizing rights and being proactive and protecting people from violence doesn't lead to chaos. It doesn't bring the, the roof down. It, it is doable and people can live peacefully and be left alone to do whatever they want if a government simply protects people from, from violence and from being abused and gives some recognition to their role. Um, Canadians are always very uh, of two minds. They like to be a little superior to the Americans sometimes and remind us of that, but then other times they they don't want to seem too preachy. So I think their role as an exemplar is is one that other countries can take a look at and maybe learn from. Uh, But if we have Canadian listeners, and I know we do, uh, they probably need to sort of just be that shining city on a hill that is uh, more respectful of people rather than doing too much preaching because... Oh, man, that gets tired uh, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, Danny, when it comes to loud voices regionally, we uh, often talk about President Bolsonaro. Uh, is, is he engaged on this issue? Yeah, the, the Brazilian election is going to be, it's going to cut very much on the left-right uh, dimension in the sense that the, the most of the advancements that, that happen in the country happen under the PT, more, more Lula than Dilma but definitely under the PT and Bolsonaro has. It's, it's one thing to, to be fair to say is that this is not something only from the left in, in, in Brazil. The center-left was always very progressive in the country too. Was not progressive is the extreme right that is uh, the center right actually. No, it's not the, the extreme right that we have right now. So this is very new, I think, in Brazil that these kind of discussion is so politicized and uh, and became an issue of like campaigns, electoral campaigns. It was not like this before. So I think it may be something that may, may maybe it ends with this. Uh, campaign and in the future we are over this and maybe like Colombia or in Canada where conservatives and progressives are on the same side in terms of like LGBT rights hopefully. Thanks Andrew Well I, I, I like where, where Donnie was going with that and I, I think that is in fact what, what we should all aspire to is, is uh, you know it, it should just be taken for granted. I, I think um, in Mexico and maybe in other places, I, I still think you're going to see the push from civil society. Again, going back to the point I made earlier about the connection between women's rights and LGBTQ plus rights and, and gender based violence and, and, you know, really sort of trying to get away from 
the, the more patriarchal uh, structure, I think that's all going to come from civil society because to some extent it's a threat to those in power who, who want to maintain those structures. Thanks, Benjamin. I'm, I'm saving the last word for you here because you have a heavy lift because I want to ask you to talk in terms of regionally these voices that are out there. And also, I know you have a real interesting point to bring up as well. Yeah, I mean, look, you asked whether the United States is modeling, you know, the, the most progressive policies on this and is a leader. And I think, you know, yes and no is the answer. There are parts of Latin America that I think are quite behind. The Caribbean comes to mind. And when the United States has been advocating for the rights of LGBT people, um, it is often done so effectively in regions like that. There are times, however, where the United States does not um, advocate for these issues. And in fact, now within the United States, there are fears that the expected decision reducing or eliminating abortion rights in the United States might also have implications for same-sex marriage. And so while this is happening, I was just in Los Angeles uh, for the Summit of the Americas in line to get into the inaugural ceremony. And there was Claudia Lopez, the first openly lesbian mayor of the city of Bogota, Colombia. And so, you know, I think there are parts of the region that probably are charging ahead, whereas the United States may be moving in a different direction. Well, I want to thank all of you for this uh, terrific discussion, Danny, Benjamin, Chris, and Andrew, and look forward to seeing you next time around. This episode of America's 360 was produced by Oscar Cruz, Cecily Fasanella, and Zoe Reed, with the assistance of Tomas Michael, Abby McGowan, and Sophia Schuckner. Uh, as always, thanks to all of you behind the microphone who make all of us sound better on the microphone. Uh, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's discussion and that you'll choose to join us again soon for our next episode. And until then, for all of us at America's 360 and the Wilson Center, I'm John Molesky. Thank you for your time and interest. You have been listening to America's 360, a podcast about the innumerable ties among the nations of the Western Hemisphere. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To learn more about our programs, please visit wilsoncenter.org. And please join us again next time for another episode of America's 360.